Hello and welcome back to the Irish Football Fans Podcast. Uh, myself, Mark and Phil have taken the last two months of the summer off. Uh, we've consumed the 4-4-2 season preview and we're refreshed and ready for a new season of football across the water in England and across Europe. Mark and Phil, it's good to talk to you again. How are you both doing? All good, Phil. Hopefully everyone, everyone listening in good form as well. Joe, how are things? How are you keeping? Hope you're having a good summer. The weather has turned really nice here again, so you know, looking forward to a dip in the in the sea later on, uh, depending on how things go. Uh, let's start with the Premier League in England, which had its first round of fixtures at the weekend. Now, it's looking like we're going to have the lowest amount of play, Irish players to appear in the league this season after last season set a new low for Irish players, but I think we might see more appearances by Irish players across the season. We did see league debuts for Gavin Bazunu and Connor Coventry. Nathan Collins made his first appearance for for Wolves, and Bazunu uh, impressed in goals for Southampton despite the scoreline. Mark, what were your impressions of the league debutants and uh, how do you think it's going to go across the season for Irish players in uh, the top division in England? It was a good weekend, I think, for any Irish-based players. Really, to be fair, I mean, marquee headline for me was probably AFC Bournemouth. Mark Travers starting his Premier League game against Aston Villa. Thought he was very assured, very impressive, clean sheet. What more can you ask for? And I know AFC Bournemouth have signed the ex-Barcelona keeper in Natho. But I, I think that is more of, of a backup policy here. I think Scott Parker has full faith in Mark Travers. Um, I'm delighted to see Shane Duffy getting out of Brighton and Hove Albion. I know if anyone has been listening to this, don't really have uh, much time for Brighton and Hove Albion, really, and the way the Irish players are kind of uh, being moved around the place. But I think from a Duffy, Shane Duffy perspective, going to Fulham, I think he will get significant game time there, uh, Joe, which can only benefit the national team and Stephen Kenny. Um, yeah, I think overall, Gavin Bazuna I thought was very impressive. I think um, I think the side story here, maybe Will Smallbone, he's, he started with Stoke City there last weekend. At home was very impressive. I wouldn't be all surprised if was Smallbone is the guy that we look out for here, who may get a recall because I thought Southampton central midfield was absolutely abysmal against Tottenham, lack of pace. And I think Will Smallbone, if he gets sufficient game time at Stoke City, uh, maybe call back in sooner rather than later because I think the warning signs are there for Southampton early, particularly in their midfield and their transition play was kind of non-existent. So I think overall here, um, Joe and Phil, I think it's been quite a good uh, weekend for. Irish players. The Southampton manager made the observation after the game that Bazunu was actually left exposed by the players in front of him, and that's what led to the results rather than any mistakes made by the goalkeeper. Which to me sounds a bit strange. It's, I mean, on on the one hand, you, we complain that managers don't single out their players, and then when they do, you kind of go, uh, you know, is that going to instill any confidence in the midfield and defence at Southampton and? Is he undermining his own team? For what it's worth, I do think Smallbone could play a part in that midfield for, for Southampton. Uh, I saw him play for the under-21s in June, and he was a step ahead of everyone else on the pitch. He was uh, man of the match for Stoke at the weekend, and it remains to be seen if he does finish out his, his loan deal with the Potters. As well as that, we had two Irish goalkeepers starting in the Premier League on the same day for the first time since uh, Sunday, the 15th of May, 2016. So, Pizzuno and Travers finally closing that gap that goes all the way back to 
Shea Given and, and Darren Randolph starting for Stoke and West Ham on that day. Talk about Brighton and, you know, Shane Duffy went out on, on loan to Fulham for the season. The loan to Celtic didn't work out. I don't think that's a controversial statement. And I actually think of the three promoted sides, Fulham are the most likely to stay up. He only came on as a very late second half substitute for Fulham. But I think his experience in the division is going to count for them. Uh, I think he offers them another threat from set pieces, as we're all very aware. And I think it's a good signing for Fulham, who still have a lot of players who excel in the championship, but you know maybe haven't impressed in the Premier League just yet. Phil, what was your impression of the opening round of fixtures in the Premier League in England? Well, obviously, the first thing is just delighted to see the two keepers start. I know we all had a fairly good idea that they were going to come in and they were going to, well, Travers was going to keep the number one spot and Bazuna was going to take the number one spot. Obviously, there was always that little small percentage of a question, will they or won't they? It was just great to see them both start. They're both so young. They're both so confident. Like, League One is a to the Premiership. It's not something that gets talked about an awful lot. It's such a huge jump up. Like, obviously, the Championship the top five or six teams in the championship wouldn't be that far behind the bottom five or six teams in the Premier League. But to go from League One to like where you can be absolutely slumming it in the piss and rain against, you know, against teams who, who are horrible to play against to come straight up to the the Premier League and play against someone like Tottenham, it just shows the confidence of them. So obviously that was a huge positive to see the two lads start. Obviously Nathan Collins has gone in. And since that, Wolves have let Connor Cody go. So we know he's going to be playing all season. They've signed him for big money. So again, just to see him start. And you've touched on Duffy. I think I'm delighted to see a Premier League team take a chance on him. But he's getting his opportunity now. He's had it rough the last few years. Celtic wasn't a great move. He was. That's in the past. He didn't get a fair whack at Brighton, as Marcus said. They do fuck players around there a small bit, but he's getting his chance now. He's obviously been told he's been brought in as competition for the two centre-backs. Two good centre-backs as well, may I add. But he's going to get his opportunity to impress. And Shane Duffy is a brilliant centre-back if he gets a run of games. And that's what he needs. If he gets into that team, he won't go out of it. So I'm just hoping he takes the chance. When when it comes, he takes the chance. The same, you know, the same could be said with Matt Doherty. Once he gets into that team again or gets a chance, he needs to to take the chance. They're not young players anymore. I know Matt Doherty isn't isn't as old as Shane Duffy, but Shane Duffy this is this might be his last chance to establish himself as a Premier League player again. So I really hope he takes it. So overall, it was like obviously there wasn't that many Irish players playing, but very happy to see them all involved at the same time. Yeah, like I said, I think this season we're going to see more appearances from less players. Uh, myself and Phil guest starred on the Pogma Goal podcast last week where I said that, you know, I think we've we've reached kind of the bottom of a, a cycle of of Irish players appearing in the league. Things have been getting worse and less players have been making less appearances for the last few seasons. But I think we're going to hit the bottom of that graph this season. And I think we're going to see things start to improve in the next season or two. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get back to the same heights that we we were. I had a discussion on Twitter during the week where I was or was reminded that it was 37 Irish players appeared in the Premier League in the 2011-2012 season before we qualified for, for Euro 2012. And I don't think we'll ever see 37 Irish players in the Premier League again. 
But on the other hand, I don't think any country is going to reach those kind of numbers either outside of England. Like last season, there was 30 French players. You know, that was the second most appearances by any nationality after England. So I don't think any country is going to hit 37 players. But the other side of that is that there are other opportunities now opening up for Irish players around Europe. And just this weekend, we saw Liam Kerrigan come off the bench for his first appearance for uh, his new club, Como, in Italy. Unfortunately, they were beaten 5-1 by Spezia in the Coppa Italia, but it's good to see that he's uh, immediately involved in the first team. And as well as that, there was the man with the best name in football, in my opinion, Anselmo Garcia McNulty, making his senior career debut with his loan club, NSA Breda, in the Dutch, and I'm sorry I'm butchering this because my Dutch is terrible, the Eerste Divisie. So are we starting to see the first results of Brexit on uh, transfers for Irish, young Irish players in in Ireland and, and across Europe? That well-worn pathway between Ireland and England isn't available for players now until they turn 18. So the more talented players who, you know, at 16 and 17, they have the option of going to Italy, to France, to the Netherlands or to Germany. And, you know, we've players at, at Inter Milan, at Udinese, at Reims in France. So, Mark, uh, do you think that Brexit is already having an impact on Irish talent and on Irish football? I think so, Joe. Just in terms of the scouting elements here, I think we're seeing an awful lot more, I suppose, with the domestic professional game coming on leaps and bounds, getting more deeper into European competition. I think we're seeing an awful lot of scouting, particularly with Kerrigan, definitely with the Italy under-20s. There definitely were scouts uh, at Tallis Stadium looking at Kerrigan. And, I mean, that move to Como is just unbelievable, really, when you consider some of the players he will be playing with day in, day out, like Fabregas is signed there as well. But I think going back to your question, I, I think it is fundamentally a good thing for Irish players to now be more more in the shop window in Europe. I mean, think of Zach in AIK, Stockholm. was probably one of the first guys really to be prominent. Again, I think it's a good thing here. And plus the fact that Chelsea, there's been a few Premier League teams that have had kind of relationships with European clubs before, that foster parent club situation. So this is kind of a, kind of an evolving move, I would think. Uh, and I think it's a good move, particularly with Premier Division, First Division clubs here in, in Ireland as well. Uh, probably getting better compensation deals, I'd say, with these European clubs as well. But um, I think it's a great move. Technically, I think European continental football is the way to go. And, you know, you kind of learn new culture, footballing technique, footballing ethos, vision, particularly in Belgium, Holland, Central Europe. So I think nothing but good things there, I think, Joe, to be fair. And it's an introduction to a, a different style of football, you know, and a different way of thinking about the game. And even if it doesn't work out, which, you know, we all know from experience of watching football, as long as we have been, that it's not going to work out for every player. They still have that option of coming back and playing League of Ireland, which has been improving over the last few seasons, and bringing that experience, that professionalism, and that attitude to the game back with them. You know, I think with the performances of Irish clubs in Europe so far this season, we could see this season for the very first time two Irish clubs playing in the group stages of European competition. And even if we don't, I don't think that that is too far away. I genuinely don't. Shamrock Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic have really led the line in showing what can be done in Europe 
St. Patrick's win last week against CSK Sofia's arguably the biggest win by any Irish club away from home ever. I was struggling to think of one that you could say it was ranks higher on the scale. And, you know, unseating a team with that Europe, kind of European pedigree would be a massive feather in the cap for St. Patrick's Athletic. They might not get through the next round of qualifying, but the cash that their performances so far is going to bring in is going to be a massive boon to the club. It's uh, a little over 10 years since Shamrock Rovers were the, got to the group stages of the Europa League, and I think they've invested the funds that they made from that run very wisely in their facilities, in their coaching and youth setup. And I hope to see some Pats do the same with the increased funds that they're going to get from uh, UEFA this season. Phil, I think we've all been impressed by the League of Performances of League of Ireland clubs in Europe this season, but uh, what's been the highlight for you? Well, personally, I was at the Ligo Ball at first, the second leg, sorry, so it was great actually to see see a team you know, on Irish soil go through a European game, it's something that I had never seen before, just the occasion as well, there's just something different about, like, like we've all been to European games in England probably, but there's just something a bit different about going to a European night in Ireland, it was a bit surreal, because it was my first one, so that was definitely the highlight, um, and obviously, the other teams doing so well. A couple of big wins. Rovers. Rovers win was huge. But just want to go back to what you touched on about Brexit with Mark. So I think Brexit is definitely a part of what's happening now in this country and how it's changing the landscape for young footballers. But I think it's a combination of that. And basically the Premier League has just turned into this absolute gigantic money spinner the money involved is obscene in the Premier League so I think the days of the likes of Robbie Brady or Darren Gibson featuring you know in and out of young United teams and then moving on I think those days are nearly gone because the clubs now are just spending so much money on young players from abroad from everywhere they're just buying 10 11 12 million pound players they're putting them in the team and they're just seeing if they work and if they don't they're just flogging them so i think that that is a huge part to do with it i just don't think the opportunities are there in the premier league anyway brexit or not brexit is obviously helping irish players giving them giving them that little push to go abroad now because it's easier but i think that's a part of it and then to go on an awful tangent i think that links into basically what you were saying earlier about the lack of Irish Premier League players, you had 37 back in 2011, 2012, whatever it was. I think we would have relied heavily, obviously, over the years on a lot of English-born players playing for Ireland. But in the last 10 to 15 years, playing for England has become such a cash, cash-orientated thing that nobody will ever think of playing for Ireland now in the way they would have thought of playing for Ireland maybe 15 years ago. It's very much, you play for England and you get a huge transfer fee, you get a huge salary, you're guaranteed, you're set. So I think that, just the money in the Premier League, you see bottom teams spend 20, 30 million on players all the time now, Forrest have signed how many, and Brexit. I think it's all just come together, nearly like in a perfect storm, not to go on too much of a tangent, and I think that's really just changed the landscape of football for young Irish players looking to get into the game and I think it's overall it'll be a good thing because we're going to see a lot more players playing abroad and we're going to see a lot more players playing in the championship which isn't a bad thing there's a lot of players in the championship that are playing there this season that 
10 years ago would have probably been playing in the likes of Everton's team or even, you know, United's second team or that coming through. But I just think um, it's kind of like a perfect storm. No, no, I think you're you're 100% right there that these two factors, and there's probably more that, you know, we, we haven't discussed uh, of Brexit and the amount of money that's in the Premier League now is, I don't want to say forcing Irish players to look elsewhere, but I think it's closing off a lot of the doors that, that used to be available to them. And if they, you know, they still have the opportunity to go over at 18 and play in the academy side, but, you know, we're, we're seeing this season, especially in the League of Ireland, the opportunities there to play first-team football in the Premier Division for Shamrock Rovers or Bohemians or St. Patrick's Athletic. And, you know, you can get a move, can get a move to England out of that, but you can also attract attention from clubs across Europe, as we've seen. Abankwa has gone to Udinese. Kevin Zeffi was spotted in the academy setup as Shamrock Rovers. And we're also seeing the, the impact of the changes that was brought in by Root Doctor, um, who's stepped down from the FAI. Um, and it remains to be seen how his replacement, you know, carries on the changes that he's instigated over the last 10 years or so that he was involved with the FAI. Just to make a point, I think Josh Cullen's move back to Burnley is is huge, really, when you look at it. Because here's a guy who was at West Ham. He was coming into his mid-20s. He was clearly good enough, but wasn't getting the opportunities. And he's gone abroad, and he's done really well. And I'm sure everybody at the start of the day when he went abroad was wondering, is he going to get enough exposure over there? But he's got loads of exposure, and he's back now with arguably one of the Premier League's greatest players managing him. It's the same for managers. They're going abroad, they're coming back, they're getting experience. And I think that's really going to turn heads and basically kind of convince more Irish players to take the chance. And at the end of the day, the carrot on the stick would be, you will get a move back to England. Because let's not kid ourselves, at the end of the day, it's a job for them. Where are they going to get paid best? They're going to get paid best in the Championship or in the Premier League. You know, they're clearly going to get more money than if they were playing for a top team in Belgium or a, a a country like that. So it's I think it's great incentive to see someone like Josh Cullen go away, do well, come back. And I think it'll, I think we'll we'll definitely have more people, more players do it in the next few years, absolutely. On Cullen's move from West Ham, you know, I mentioned earlier that we saw Connor Coventry make his Premier League debut for West Ham at the weekend and you know he's the hundred and ninety sixth Irish player to appear in the Premier League. So you know, after a couple of years spent out on loan, you know, he's gotten his chance to play in that West Ham midfield. And my initial reaction to it is that he might not be good enough to be a permanent starter in that team, but with the amount of games that West Ham will expect to play this season, not just in the Premier League, but in Europe, and when you factor in that a lot of them are going to be going to the World Cup in November, you know, he could see uh, a serious amount of game time for the Hammers. So, like, Mark, do you think that's, that's what he should, he should do this season? Should he look to force his way into that midfield? Or would he be better off maybe doing what Colin did, um, looking for a move to play regular first-team football? No, I, I think the decision of David Moyes is actually introduced Connor Coventry very late in the day against Manchester City opening day of the season. I thought it spoke volumes to me, Joe. I think that sends a big message 
to Connor Coventry and also to West Ham supporters that Coventry is going to be an important squad member, I would say, this season. So I think for Coventry, I know you mentioned off air here, Phil and Joe, just in terms of the whole World Cup, the calendar scheduling, the amount of games, the build-up of games here from September, October, it's going to be quite intense. And looking at that West Ham squad, it's not the biggest squad. So I think Conor Coventry definitely is going to be involved in an awful lot of, let's say, EFL League Cup games, maybe Europa League games coming into the picture here a little bit with West Ham again, and maybe a few EPL games. So I think from a Conor Coventry perspective, maybe stay around up until maybe end of the year, see how things go, and then, look, there's a January transfer window there always to be in the shopping window. But I would hope, and I do imagine, that Conor Coventry will be playing some first-team football with West Ham which would be great news for Republic Fire and also Stephen Kenny, and also the under-21s as well, uh, for that matter, and uh, Jim Crawford. They mentioned that stat that Coventry is the 196th Irish player uh, to appear in the Premier League, but would either of you like to predict who the, the 200th player would be? It's hard to know. You've you've got Jason Knight down there in League One. He started 100 games for Derby. Someone has to have a crack at him eventually, maybe the championship next season and he comes up or maybe a Premier League team next season. If he has another consistently good season like he's had the last two seasons, you'd imagine he would be al- along those lines. Just on Coventry, I would cap him straight away. Because as Mark said, I think if, if you are getting minutes the first Premier League game of the season, then I think the writing's on the wall for the rest of the season if you can produce and train and because they haven't a massive squad as Mark said. They, I think they're Europa Conference this year. I'm not sure, but they will be all over the place and they. I think he'll get he will get plenty of game time if he impresses. And David Moyes isn't someone who throws out minutes for fun. Was it Oak, Oku Flex? That was there last season. I think we were perennially waiting for him to get a, to get a few minutes last season. I don't think he got any. Or we were waiting for him to get minutes and he didn't. So David Moyes doesn't hand out appearances willy-nilly. He's an old-school type of manager. He knows exactly what he wants. So I think it's, it's absolutely massive that Coventry has got, got a few minutes early doors. And I would be looking to get him capped. I would honestly be getting be looking to get him capped in September, maybe. Unfortunately, Phil, the, the two playoff games for the under-21s against Israel are the 23rd and the 27th of September. Um, oh, that's right. Which... Which obviously clashes with the the senior teams' games against Armenia and Scotland. But you know, reading the interview with him uh, on the Forty Two by David Snade uh, a week or two ago, I was under the impression that, that there was no team he was going to play for other than the Republic of Ireland. Uh, his entire family in London are Irish, and there's no way they, any of them would let him play for any team other than than the Republic. Um, Although I think it does feed into, you know, the wider attitude that I think we're going to have to take about uh, underage players, that those that have dual nationality are probably going to be fast-tracked into the senior squad to prevent incidents like, well, the players, the names we all know, who are playing for other countries now despite having played at underage level and won, you know, Players of the Year trophies for uh, the Republic and but still decided to represent uh, a different country at senior level. 
Yeah, but just on a talent perspective, I know he's been on loan a lot, but it's, it's huge to get minutes straight away. Like we've mentioned with Smallbone, you know, who didn't get anything in the, in the league really with Southampton at all, and he was there for last season or whatever, and he's gone out on loan now. So the, the talent must be there. So he, we'd have to keep a really close eye on him because these things, they don't come along that often. You know, we don't have a lot of midfield let's say midfielders coming through getting a few minutes in the Premier League over the last three or four seasons we don't so he has to be at that level or near at that level so it's just something we really need to keep an eye on as you mentioned from now on and there's no harm bringing him into the senior setup as soon as we can obviously if we can thump Israel out because as I said the talent must be there I think we have a good chance of getting past Israel. I think they were the team that I wanted to see Ireland drawn against the most uh, from the potential opponents. But the other side of that, of course, is that we were probably the team that most of the opponents wanted uh, wanted to draw. And But I, I think we're very well matched against Israel. We've put a very similar campaigns in our groups. I think a lot will depend on that home leg in Tala Stadium. And, you know, we're, we look forward to that, those two games at the, the end of September. Mark, do you have any predictions on who that 200th player is going to be? Interesting enough, I don't know, maybe Teo Adramola, maybe. I know he's out in loan, Coventry, but uh, I, I rate this guy enormously, just from a full-back perspective. He's really impressed from an under-21 perspective for Ireland, and also Patrick Vieira has an awful lot of time for the player, and he's getting valuable minutes in Coventry. Might be maybe an outside bet for that 200 appearance, maybe later on in the season, I think. That skill set, his pace, I think his game reading for such a young guy is incredible at the moment. So I think if he impresses with Mark Robbins, a good manager, a good man in charge in Coventry City, I think uh, sky's the limit for that guy. Interesting choice. Uh, saw him play for the under-21s in June as well at Tyler Stadium. And um, what most impressed me was his pace. He was absolutely electric. On more than one occasion, he gave an opponent at least a yard head, head start and still beat him to the ball. And I think that's going to be a, a feature of the modern game, a fullback almost playing as a a, a wingback or as a, a wide midfielder with the ability to get back at pace to cover their, their position. In my opinion, I, I've kind of gone for uh, gone down a similar route to Mark in that I've gone for a fullback, but I've actually gone for Brighton's James Furlong. Phil mentioned that Armstrong Okaflex was on the bench for West Ham, so I think he could be number 197. And then we saw for Wolves, they had Connor Ronan and Joe Hodge on the, the bench for, for their game at the weekend, so they could be 198 and 199. And then I think it's going to be Brighton's James Furlong will get promoted to the Brighton first team and will you know, make and could be the 200 Irish player in the Premier League. I think with the departure of Mark Cucciarella from Brighton to Chelsea, there's uh, an opening in the Brighton first team for a fullback, which is where he plays for their under-21 side. He's impressed since transferring, since moving over there from Shamrock Rovers. Uh, he's been part of their League Cup campaign last season. He signed a new contract in the summer. Uh, I think he's going to be looking to move into the Graham Potter's first team. I know Mark probably isn't going to be too impressed that I've uh, mentioned the Brighton manager by name. But, um, yeah, I think uh, James Furlong, possibly Andrew Moran also at Brighton. 
I just have gone for a furlong because it is, as I say, of that transfer of Cucurella from Brighton to Chelsea. Cucurella is a massive, massive loss for Brighton. Just for his attacking intent, I think so, pl- players will be given opportunities there in Brighton now. I might have disagreements with Graham Potter and some of these player management moves in the past, but I mean, it's a massive opportunity there for Furlong particularly. Uh, Phil, you want to yeah. get in there? I was just going to say there is always the chance that it's it's someone from a promoted team maybe that's been around the block a bit that we have, or not around the block, but been around a few seasons that maybe hasn't got their crack yet. Like I'm thinking maybe Ryan Manning at Swansea or someone like Dan McNamara. There's a lot of them floating around down there that haven't got a crack at the Premier League. You know, there's always a surprise in the championship, so it could be someone like that as well. In, it maybe instead of uh, one of the younger players, you wouldn't know. It just depends on how promotion goes, I suppose. Some guys prospects there for the, who that 200th play, Irish player in the Premier League is going to be. We're going to finish up with a few predictions for the end of the season. Mark and Phil, if I can ask you, who do you think an uncapped player in the Ireland squad at the moment uh, to who will receive his first senior cap? before the end of the 22-23 season? So i hoping we'll see Festi Obaseli get a cap, finally. If he can get a run of games in his new club over in sunny Italy, I think he's exactly the type of player we, we want. And, he, you know, he, he did well with Derby last season. So I don't think he wasn't too far away anyway. So it's maybe not some, you know, huge call. But I think he's very close to getting a cap for us. Suppose from my perspective, Joe, uh, <laughs> yeah, ironic. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Brighton and Hove Valley with Evan Ferguson. Hopefully, yeah. gets uh, an international yeah. cap as well. He has progressed very well, I thought, in the last 12, 18 months. Again, he's on the fringes of that first team. And given that Duffy, even Aaron Connolly, for instance, who've been in competition with him, is in Vicenza, um for the rest of the season, I think Evan Ferguson, hopefully, if he can get some good game time, particularly in the League Cup, Maybe build a bit of form up here, particularly in the kind of midweek kind of Premier League B games. I think might be an outside bet. For me, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Conor Ronan. I think if he can continue his progress from the last few seasons into the Wolves' first team, obviously Stephen Kenny is very familiar for, with him from working with him at the under-21 level. I think he's a very intelligent, creative player who plays in that role behind the front two that not sure that we might be missing now if it looks like Troy Parrish and uh, Michael Owefemi are going to be the, the front two strikers. You know, having someone with the creativity of Conor Ronan behind them might get the very best out of those two players. So I'm going to go with the, the Wolves player. Any other predictions you guys want to make? Well, I suppose hopefully uh, Vera Powell, the Irish women's soccer team, reach World Cup qualification uh, this season. I think they're in a great position. So let's look uh, to the ladies there. In terms of uh, youth players that might be a little bit under the radar, that I think you know, I think some of our listeners should be watching out for. Mazid Ogungbo has gone out on loan from Arsenal to Crawley Town. He made his debut at the weekend. Uh, his, his first appearance in senior football after a, a run on the bench towards the end of last season for Arsenal. Um, been watching his career for a long time. With the Gunners, uh, as he progressed through the, the youth structure there, I think he's a, definitely a player to, to watch out for. Phil, do you have any other uh, predictions you want to share? Predictions off the top? I'm really, I, I tend not to try and make too many predictions. Oma Bamadeli, I'm expecting huge things from him this season. He's back, he's played his first game, and I think I think he's going to have an absolute stormer. I think we, if Norwich can 
can put a good run together and, and challenge again like they usually do they usually just walk the championship when they go back down to it but I think he's going to be I think this is his he's obviously had his little breakout appearances with us in the senior team but I think this will be his full breakout season with Norwich and it'll be something to watch um, other than that no, no I'd love to see Evan Ferguson get a few games now that you've mentioned him he kind of gone off my radar a bit no that's about it nothing wild just hopefully we can get a f- Maybe the under twenty ones can do the business, and we can maybe put in a first team coach in the senior team soon, and have a good international window. But nothing, nothing too wild prediction wise. No. Any predictions for coach Joe? Uh, when Stephen Reid stepped aside as Forest, I had hoped that he would be in the picture, but it appears that he's decided to go down a different route uh, completely, and is is working um, with mental health charities dealing with professional athletes, which. I have to say is an absolutely amazing position uh, to take given his history of, of mental health problems. I did notice that Andy Reid has been promoted to the senior coaching setup at Nottingham Forest and I think he w- would be somewhat interesting to bring into the, the national side's coaching ticket. You know, obviously a, a really skillful player capable of scoring from just about anywhere on, on the pitch. Didn't get really a fair crack at a whip under Trapattoni, I thought. The other side of it is that the manager has to be seen to have the ultimate authority and unfortunately Andy Reid was the player he decided to, I suppose, exert that authority on. But I think he would welcome the chance to be involved in, in the current setup. And I wonder I wonder would he bring the guitar if he was coach? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if Shane Long comes back into the team, uh, they'd make a hell of a double act. They're both supposed to be phenomenal guitar players. Yeah, but that was it, wasn't it? He's... They went for a couple of pints and Trap walked in and Reed was there with the guitar all guns blazing, I think. I think that was the end of him. Unfortunately, yeah. At the time, again, it wasn't really seen. I mean, obviously people complained about it, but I think the results that Trapazzoni was getting, including qualification, kind of smoothed things over a little bit. And then when things started to go bad, it was another stick to beat the manager with. It was like, And it, I think he became the, the stereotypical player that improves by not playing you know, if we had any read in the squad, you know, we'd never give up possession. We'd score every free kick. You know, he'd be getting two assists in every game for Robbie Keane. Uh, when, of course, and that's that's a, a massive exaggeration. You know, I think I think we would have played better with Reed in the team. We would have had to reshape the team to accommodate him. And one of the things that Trapattoni noted from very early on was that we conceded a lot of goals through the centre of the pitch. Um, so he decided to set us up with. But a block of a square of four players in front of the goals, I don't think we could have accommodated uh, Reed into that that particular formation. The only other link I could mention, you know, with John Hughes' gone is maybe Stephen Rice coming into that setup, hiring from within. I know he's kind of arrived recently into the setup, but an awful lot of good reports about him in terms of his an- analysis reports on opposition. So Stephen Kenny look within to maybe even kind of fill that void for the Nations League. I suppose my yeah, other prediction, hopefully, is that around our competitive in the Nations League, that we have a, a bit of a strong finish to it. We may not qualify or you know advance as pool winners here, but I think the the hope and expectation here is that we'll have players that are playing regular team, team football, particularly in the EPL Championship League One as well. Look at Derby County, just five on the books there in Derby that could be featuring uh, for Republic of Ireland in multiple age groups. So uh, I think from that perspective... The hope is that the senior team continues to um, 
uh, come on leaps and bounds and hopefully the under 21s as well do the business against Israel as well. It'd be great that if the ladies senior team, the under 21s here with Jim Crawford in charge and also the seniors are going on upward trajectory. And I think that will happen this season. Great discussion today. I'd like to thank Mark and Phil for joining me uh, on the podcast. Uh, some interesting predictions for the season ahead. We'll see in about nine months' time how accurate we are and how much we really know about football. Happy to have the football back, even though it was never away. And I don't know, we're going to be able to take all the football before Christmas. <laughs> we might overdose on it. It's complete overload, isn't it, lads? Just yeah. in terms of the Nations League. Champions League, Europa, Conference League, all, you know, there's going to be an awful lot of storylines here coming out in the next few weeks, I would think, in months before World Cup, so I think it'll be a busy, busy podcast here. Yeah. It's a great uh, season for very bad news, lads. Watch out for the bad ones, the yeah. bad stories. <laughs> the bad stories seem to get more coverage than the good ones sometimes. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, our first of the, the new season in England and across Europe. Uh, we're looking forward to the the women's final qualifiers at the beginning of September, the men's under-21 playoff, and it's the final two Nations League game for the men's senior team at the end of September. We look forward to discussing those games uh, in a few weeks' time, and we'll talk to you then.